Welcome back to another episode of the Processing Podcast with Mary and Sophie, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. On this week's episode, we'll deep dive into our reoccurring segment of Hot Topics. We'll play a little game later and close out with an update on Sophie's wedding planning less than one year away from the big day. We're both wearing white today, so it kind of feels like a bridal-esque look. (laughs) Oh, the bridal episode. (laughs) Even though it's far from what it's going to be this week. Um, (laughs) But it has felt like I haven't seen your face or talked on this podcast for weeks and weeks on end. And that's probably because I've been sick for the last week. But it's nice to see you and we need to catch up before we get into all of it. Yes, we do. And I cannot believe you got COVID. That like shocks me. I had no idea. You were just, you know, 2000 miles away suffering and I had no idea (laughs) at all. How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? I'm feeling all right. I have some lingering symptoms and I did get COVID pretty bad. Like I had um, some pretty severe symptoms, a really bad fever, um, very painful sinus headache. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the best situation I've been in. Um, I really thought I had overcome, not even overcome. Like I thought I had gotten away from the COVID era of our country, yeah, yeah. Of our world um, without getting it. But unfortunately I got it. I don't know where I got it from, but um, to make matters worse, I figure out that I'm not feeling well. It started with some body aches and um, losing my voice while I I was at work. And then I come to find out like on Monday when I had worked from home that following Sunday that I started feeling pretty sick, um, that my boss was going to be unavailable to work for the week. So I had to work while feeling incredibly ill. And it really put me to the test. Like I couldn't, I couldn't. I mean, I probably could have just been like, sorry, guys, you have to figure it out. Like, I'm too sick, but I couldn't let that happen. Like, there were just a (laughs) lot of important things happening. It's the playoffs right now. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in the playoffs, NBA postseason, NHL postseason. So, so many things I couldn't, you know, turn a blind eye to, but not not the week that I ever want to experience again. What a trooper. That is the definition of commitment. (laughs) I, especially from what you're telling me, like it was pretty bad. Like, it's not just like you had like a little bit of a sore throat and like a little sniffly nose, like you were ill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. It's interesting how different it is for everybody. Cause I know, I mean, how long was it ago that you had COVID and it didn't sound like you had too bad of symptoms. No, it wasn't that bad. And to be honest, I never officially even got tested for it. So I don't even know for sure if we did have it, Mm -hmm. but it had to be, I mean, I don't know really what else it would have been. Um, but yeah, I was down for like a day, but then I was fine. Yeah. Um, Shout out those at home tests that we were able to order (laughs) from the government, like five Um, Each person in a household could get the box of five and that came up major clutch. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I didn't, I probably should have gotten one, but alas, hindsight is 2020, but I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. 
no wonder it feels like a long time. When you're sick, like it literally feels like days. No, are seriously. Like, I feel yeah. like we haven't recorded this podcast in like a month and a half. <laughs> That's how it feels. It's only been two weeks, Mary. Not <laughs> too much has podcast. happened. Yeah. I I did end up, for anybody that doesn't know that's listening, I did end up completely scrapping my Instagram account. It's a very like, I feel rebirthed. Like I completely scrapped my entire Instagram account from what was it? I, I think I created it in like sophomore year of high school, maybe even freshman year of high school. But yeah, my new Instagram handle is sophkwile at sophkwile. If anybody's interested in following me, highly recommend it. I publish incredibly entertaining content, highly recommend. So um, yeah, it's it's been great just being reborn into Instagram. Question. So obviously when you create a new Instagram, you have to follow a bunch of people that you want to be followers of you, essentially. Mm -hmm. What are your takeaways so far from how that process has gone? Because it's kind of, I have to imagine a little bit of an awakening of who you care about, who follows you back, all of that. What's what's, um, the situation like for you? That's actually a really good point because, well, first of all, Instagram has limited, um, like following activity. So you can only follow so many people at once. It's like, because they don't want you spamming people to try and just get a bunch of random followers. So for the first couple days, I was only able to follow about 20 people a day or something. So (laughs) that was the first exercise I had to think about, okay, like who are my top 20 and then like, who are my top 40 and then 60. And so, that was, I mean, not that I have like an excess amount of friends or whatever, and I need like a top 60. Um, but it was just kind of interesting, like thinking, having to actually think about, okay, who are my close group of friends extended, extended, extended further and further out. Um, but one thing I have noticed is I feel like I was, I was following 1200 people on my other account. There is no way I would be able to think of the people I was following. Like, I think now I'm following 300 and I'm like racking my brain to try and figure out who else I could have possibly been following this whole time. I think it must be people from like, you know, you meet random people at parties or whatever, or in college and you like, oh, follow me on Instagram. And I think that's kind of where those people came from. Um, maybe like from high school, I don't even know, but it's so you're been... not going through your old followers and the people you used to follow. You're just going off the dome. Like, who do I want to type in and search? Yeah. Well, and so in order to, it's just kind of a pain to do it that way, because in order to do it that way, I have to go through our processing podcast Instagram because they're private now they've made my account private. So I can't go just like, I have to go through the processing podcast into my old account. Oh, my followers. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's think about that. Cause I was like, that's so easy to just go through your old followers or no following. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. And you know what, as weird as this might sound, and maybe I'm like being too transparent, but Sometimes I feel weird following certain people. You know what I mean? Like I was following them before, but it's like, I haven't spoken to you in like 10 years. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm just going to follow you. But like, it's like, no, a weird, I'm like, the same way. I'm like way too honest with myself about where my certain relationships in my life stand. Mm-hmm. So to see people that it's like, well, I'm, we're never going to talk to each other, but yeah. we would, we would probably exist following each other for the rest of our lives on social media. Like, do I need that? Do I want that? Like, is that relevant? Um, but that's kind of how you build your network. And it's yeah. very, I'm sure it's very challenging to, to find that line of, okay, is this person completely irrelevant to my life? Or do I keep them in, in my general network of people I know in the state of California in my life? That's <laughs> tough. I don't even know where yeah. I start with that. Cause I, um, on Instagram, like my entire feed to be all sports. So I don't even like to follow people just because it's not that I don't want to give them a follow back. It's that like, I'm not like Facebook is kind of for that. Instagram is where I, Instagram and Twitter, where you get your sports content. So it's a, it's a different Mm -hmm. balancing act for me, but yeah. Feeling pleased with the, the rate of follow back. Do you feel like (laughs) It's yeah um, a positive experience. Yeah. So like, that's another thing I was going to say is if like, if you got a follow from me, like I would say, like, I would consider you someone that I, that I want to stay in touch with. And like, I, I was interested in your life. So it's a good thing. If I follow you, first of all, there's only 300 people that I followed <laughs> and most people have followed me back. I think like there's, you know, a bit of a, of a disparity, but not too bad. And mm-hmm. the people I followed are like the real ones. The people that follow me now, like they're uh, my like ratio to follower count has never been better. It's, it's, it's almost like I'm getting the same amount of likes and comments that I was in my previous account. So that's my point though. It's like, I followed all the people that I am like most interested in keeping up with and like my mm-hmm. closest friends. And so it's almost like nothing has really changed at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the people that I'm following now are the real ones, I would say. And also it's kind of fun to like redo my aesthetic. So I get to kind of start from scratch, make a whole new feed without going through the pain of like deleting old pictures that you love. Like you're forced to just delete everything and start over. So that's, um, that's been fun overall. I think it's, it was a very anxiety provoking situation at first, but now I kind of like it. I feel refreshed. Yeah, that's that sounds like a positive shift um, for your social media. And I'm sure it's helpful for your career. I mean, you're helping build, I mean, kind of the brands of people and and helping <laughs> with their analytics and stuff of that, yeah. or at least in that world. So to see what you need to do for yourself to kind of build your quote unquote brand, um, that's that's a I'm sure a, a valuable experience to have recently because when we all got on Instagram and we all started our social medias long ago we've accumulated so many random followers that um like you said that ratio to follower and actual interaction is typically like for me it's pretty low I mean I don't even pay attention to it but that's a good thing to have uh, a responsive following yeah it is so but that's the thing is as we've mentioned, I am getting married and doing all of that fun stuff. So I wanted to have my Instagram. That's the thing I was most bummed about. I'm like, I wanted to be able to post about it 
and be on social media. So I, I just made the executive decision. I'm like, I'm just going to create a fresh account so I can have something build up by the time all of the wedding festivities are ready to go. So I'm glad I did it. It was a good choice. Beautiful. Well, in this last week, week and a half that I've been sick doing nothing in my apartment, I've had a lot of time to think, and I'm going to bring up something so random that has been on my mind. But I came to this realization that people in this world, specifically it came to mind because of athletes, are talented and naturally gifted. And that's kind of what helps you elevate to new heights in your life. But work ethic plays such a big part in whether or not you're going to be great or good. And I was asking Mm -hmm. myself, like, there's this one um, athlete skater for the LA Kings, Dustin Brown, who's retiring. And I just thought back to his like talent level. And I was like, this guy probably could have been one of the best in the league just based off of his like IQ of the game, all of these things. But why did he never reach that plateau aside from being the leader on the team for their um, multiple Stanley cups? Then I thought, well, he has four kids, you know, like he's probably not every waking moment focusing on his hockey career and how he can get better. I'm sure a lot of it is, but you're a parent to four kids, you have a responsibility. And then I thought, well, your decision to retire probably had to do with the fact that, you know, you have a family, you have this responsibility, even though there's an understanding going into a marriage with an athlete, I'm sure that they're going to dedicate their lives to this profession. Um, there gets to a point where, you know, you need to, you made the decision to build a family. Now you have to invest your time into that. And me realizing all of that made me think like how many people in this world, you know, are just simply could be the greatest at something, but they're just not putting in the time and effort. And I know that's so obvious, but I applied it to my own life. And I'm thinking if every waking moment I spent trying to perfect, like being a play-by-play announcer or, you know, my on-air abilities, like I could be like the greatest, like it all lies within you. But that's what we've talked about in previous episodes. Like, well, that's not a work balance life. That's not totally the, the, the most quality of life, but I've had this awakening of this power that I have, um, that everyone has to be great. And I've just been thinking to myself, like, what does it mean to people to be great? Like, what does it mean to you to be great with, um, you know, I think I've no, I know you well enough to know a few things for what you would, you would identify as successful in your own personal life, but simple as just what does it take to be great to you? Like, how would you answer that question? Like, are you asking specifically? I don't know. What what I could, would consider like top level for me, like achieving the highest of the high. Obviously, career-wise, it's going to be different. Like being a professional athlete requires a whole nother set of dedication than it does to work a nine to five. But yeah, I mean, when you think about like being the best at whatever you're doing, what does that look like to you? What what would that entail? I mean, specifically in my industry, um, and it's funny, uh, as soon as you started talking about this, I started thinking about my boss and CEO. Rebecca Hall, she um, founded Idea Hall um, Mm -hmm. when she was, mind you, I believe uh, 27 years old. Um, 
Let's just think about that for a moment. I'm about to turn 25. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to turn 25 and she founded Idea Hall. Granted, she founded it at her kitchen counter with her cat. Um, That's like her whole story. But she has grown the agency into this multi-million dollar number. I think it's, um, we're a top three agency in Orange County. Um, And we deal with incredibly large clients. And she, the thing about her is she just eats, breathes, sleeps her job. And she does have a child and she is married and she is a social person. But, you know, for the first I would say 10 years after she founded Idea Hall, she would wake up every morning in her house, put on like a blazer and a whole pantsuit and sit by herself at her desk in her house to like feel professional. And she would like invite potential clients over to like her house and she would go out constantly and she would just be constantly, constantly, constantly building the agency. And she was 100% of the time doing just that like that's all she wanted to do it's what she was passionate about and it paid off and now she's the ceo of a multi-million dollar company Mm -hmm. um so i for me personally that's not my thing like i don't really i personally wouldn't want to be like the ceo of a company for me what success looks like is being at a very high strategic level where i have the freedom to kind of dictate which clients I want to work on Mm -hmm. so that I can, um, and also I like, you know, really big clients, like name brand clients that everybody knows that would obviously be fun, but having the ability to kind of pick who I want to be my client and also kind of create my own direction for the campaigns I'm building for them to like really rely on my own expertise and my own leadership abilities to create something for them. Um, to me that, And that's obviously like a vice president level. Um, So to me, that's what success looks like and like reaching the goal, the end goal. And when you look at that from an outside perspective of not having reached that yet, what would that ideally entail of you to do? Because like I gave the example of my career, like I could just spend endless hours watching, studying, practicing, um, and that's just like a, a decision I can make every day. Am I going to make that decision every single day? Probably not, but you know, I hope to. So I know for me, yeah. like in the back of my mind, that's what it's going to take. What is that going to take for you? Um, you know, does, is that achieved in your nine to five hours? Or when you look at how to get to that point, does it require more? It's just a matter of, are you going to do that? I think to step up because currently I'm a manager. So I think they say typically you're a manager for quite a while. Like I would say like three to five years or even more, just depending on the experience you need, the type of, you know, you you never know if there's going to be a recession or whatever. Like you should just bank on being a manager for like at least four years. So um, after that, like, I think just doing well at my own job and kind of going the extra mile here and there and just like being really committed to growing within your nine to five job, like where I'm currently at that you can Mm -hmm. reach the director level. But I think to reach like the vice president level where you're like making decisions with your CEO and you're dictating the direction of the agency, like that requires 
like really going above and beyond. Like my boss, who's a VP, my other boss, she is the busiest person I've ever seen in my life. First of all, she has three kids. Second of all, after like once or twice a week, she goes to this all day leadership conference where she like learns how to be essentially like a better, more strategic leader. Mm -hmm. Um, she's constantly, I would say she puts in like double the amount of hours she's supposed to per week. Um, and she's constantly learning. She's part of all these different memberships, like um, within our industry, like she's part of all these industry organizations. She's on the board in those industry organizations. She's learning new things. She's bringing in valuable insight into our agency. And I think that's what you need to go to the next level. You need to be bringing something to the team other than just like your best effort. You know what I mean? You need to be bringing like a higher strategic level of thinking. It's interesting that you have that understanding of where you want to fall in the industry and and how specific your vision of success is. Because mm-hmm. for me, mine, I just know in general what my end goal is and the amount of, of reach that I want to have once I get to whatever that quote unquote end goal is, which I feel like kind of thinking like that to begin with is not the best in my specific industry. Like you're just kind of always trying to, you know, reach a new goal. But for me, like, I don't know what that exactly looks like, whether it be the regional host of a major network, obviously the world is constantly changing. So what could be the highest praised job in 10 years from now might be way different with how streaming platforms changes with how, you know, we could have a resurgence of cable TV. Like there's just so many factors that could change what my end goal would be, but it's, it's a little bit more of like the present for me of, okay, these are the things I need to do now. And you just hope that you get to whatever you you want, you like whatever your idea of success is. Like right now, I don't feel like that path is super clear because opportunities have to make themselves present, you know, networking all there's so many factors that are outside of my control, especially when it's an industry that's so opinionated and, and the leaders of specific networks have a vision of what they want. And you just have to hope you fit that there's, there's just a ton of different things. So, but there is still a major factor where I'm in the driver's seat for a majority of it to be prepared for that opportunity when it does come. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. I I've always kind of, I've always known that you're in control of the level of success you want to achieve, but to, to think of that example, it was like a breakthrough, like Dustin Brown, um, retiring from the NHL, like looking back at his career, extremely successful, but where could it have gone? Had he spent, you know, twice the time, it just, (laughs) it's, it's a, a weird breakthrough thought I had when thinking about um, him retiring. So well, and a weird one too, is to think about all the things. Cause obviously people are multi-talented to think about like, if you hadn't have taken the path that you're on now, like, would you have ultimately been more successful in another path? Or like, would you have completely had like a very difficult life if you had chosen to run with a different skill? Like, um, that's For just sure. always Cause we make that decision at such a young age. So it's, I had a thought today when I was driving 
and don't take this the wrong way. I have no doubts in the profession I'm in, but I thought, (laughs) how cool would it be to just jump around different professions for like a three month span, you know, to be, there's like a, a remodel business around the corner, like to work in the higher ups of that business of what it's like to start the remodel of a house or like real estate, all of those things seem like such cool ways to understand the world around you. But obviously it's not something you can just try out for three days. You have to <laughs> I just want to be a general contractor this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be cool. Like I wish there was a little a program that that could be the understanding of, oh, this person um you know, has the communication skills. So we're just going to give her a role anyways. um, Interesting. Okay. Well, let's keep this episode moving to our first segment, hot topics. Every week we deep dive into something we're following in the news, something that sparks our interest and we chat about it and try to have a productive conversation. But sometimes we just kind of share what we learned and, and, Take that for what it is. Um, You want to go first, Sophie? Yes. Um, So I came across this article and me personally, I find this particular topic to be very interesting because it was actually part of my curriculum in college, Um, just like uh, case studies in advertising, essentially. So we had a whole class dedicated to studying essentially commercials and um, different advertising campaigns and analyzing them and discussing what was effective and what wasn't. And one of the more fun um, segments of that class was analyzing ads that had completely failed or had offended people or what have you. And some of them were pretty funny. Um, But this one in particular, it hit the news about five days ago. it this one's really unfortunate. So Samsung recently um, launched an advertising campaign for uh, their Galaxy Watch and Galaxy Buds. Um, and essentially their thought process behind the campaign was because your Galaxy Watch has all of these different like workout capabilities and fun workout apps and stuff, you can basically at any time of the day, plan your workout and like customize your workout to what works for you and what works in your day. You don't have to rely on classes. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have basically your trainer on your wrist. Um, and so to launch or to kind of express this idea, what they decided to do was film this woman um, running at two o'clock in the morning down a dark alley in a city like street by herself with her earbuds in. Um, and I mean, I feel like this is common sense to, to everyone, but clearly it's not because, you know, a large ad budget was committed to creating this campaign, thinking that it would be effective. But for women, especially, we know that that's just not a realistic scenario. Like, I don't know about you, Mary, but I'm not about to go put my headphones in at two in the morning and run down a dark alley by myself because, Ooh, I have my galaxy watch and I can work out whenever I want. No, (laughs) 
I'm, it's unsafe. Um, it's simply just a, a safety concern. Like a woman would never do that. I mean, even men, I, my fiance probably wouldn't do that. So anyways, a lot of women were very offended by this commercial and Samsung actually had to explain their reasoning behind the commercial and apologize, particularly because women being harassed or, um, assaulted during runs has actually become like a pretty serious issue recently. I mean, it's always been an issue, but it's come to the forefront of everybody's attention, um, particularly when Ashling Murphy, um, she was um, somebody who enjoyed running a lot and she was actually killed on a run back in January. Um, and this really kind of started sparking conversations about the issue. And this new hashtag on social media actually started called hashtag she was on a run. And it was like this hashtag dedicated to sharing stories about how women are like the different ways that women are harassed when they're running in public. Um, so clearly Samsung did not do their research before putting out, before putting out this ad campaign, they just ran with it. Um, and I don't think there was a whole lot of women and a lot of decision-making roles for this advertising campaign, which is unfortunate. Um, but personally I can attest to it. I've been on a run multiple times and I purposely will go in the daytime, first of all, and I will run in a very quiet area because there's been times where I have been harassed by people driving by, honking their horns, yelling out cat calls, whatever it may be. And for that reason, specifically, I would never run at two in the morning on a city street. Um, yeah, a lot, so of things, a lot of things come to mind. One um, major national story was Molly Tibbetts, who was a young woman in Iowa that was running and was abducted. Yes, and I heard she, about that. Yeah, she wasn't found for a really long time until her body was found in a cornfield. Like there was a long a long period of time where we were assuming she was still alive and we just, um, you know, the search was on, but another example of her running and obviously being abducted and uh, eventually being killed. But yeah, I, I think to one, what the damage is like, if there's, if there's any way that you could bring in some sort of statistic or, see the impact of promoting running at, um, unsafe hours, proven unsafe hours, like what seeing that in a commercial does for people, like, are there people that don't know any better that would, you know, take that as, Oh, that's, you know, that's a good idea. Let me do that myself. But it also is incredibly tone deaf to the people that have experienced so much trauma from, from that exact scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And you mentioned who was a part of the, the idea of making that come to life. And it's, I'm sure, doubtful that there were any women involved. I think about that a lot nowadays. Like, um, you know, Target has their line for um, Black History Month and uh, Gay Pride and all of these things. And I'm like, okay, at this point, I'm sure they have hired the appropriate, um, the appropriate minds to represent things in a accurate and uh, a respectful way. But I still see, especially on social media, 
um, a lot of people giving their thoughts. And I think, well, even if there is someone that represents said community there, I wonder if there is still that issue of people disagreeing with that decision, even though it came from someone that's um, in the community themselves, you know, like that's just such a, an interesting thing to think about. Cause I'm sure that is now, like, I have to imagine, although this Samsung situation makes me think that it's not the case, but anytime there's, you know, a, a, a campaign to launch something, you have to imagine the people that are you're reach you're trying to reach are also represented in that, that group of, um, you would hope. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's not always the case. It's clearly it's not, it's yeah. really not. And I mean, as someone who's behind the scenes, a lot of the times, um, it's not always the case where you, mm-hmm. who you're speaking to is, are the people that are in the room. And a lot of times that's when clients will reach out to like our team because they, they do have the wherewithal to realize that, Hey, we have this need to reach out to this group, but we don't know how to, we don't know what the best practices are, but to your point, you know, just because you have a minority represented in a group of people that are making decisions, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is the spokesperson for all women or all Asian people or whatever it may be. It's, um, I think the responsibility is greater than just one person, one person's opinion. You have to consider all of which could be, um, present in the decision. And that's a huge responsibility. And that's, um, that's an interesting conversation within itself, because I think in our current day and age, we often lean on um, individuals in the public eye that represent a certain community to be the end all be all like advocate voice. And I think that's such an unfair responsibility that inevitably ends in that said person being quote unquote canceled or saying something wrong. Like no one should have that that um responsibility like that's just yeah. that's just unfair but it happens so much mm-hmm. and i just don't think that that's that's setting up anyone for success because we're all so different we all come from such different backgrounds even though you might resonate with someone because of you know one aspect of their life mm-hmm. yeah well i just thought it was such an interesting um such an interesting article, adding it to my bank of, um, absolute fails. Uh, it was so funny back in our favorite one in, in our class of all of our friends who were in that class, Folgers like came out with a commercial back in like the early two thousands and whoever seen the commercial gets it. Maybe we should link to it or something. It's hilarious. It's this commercial about this brother coming home and for whatever reason, like his sister stays up because she's so excited that her big brother is coming home and she's like 18 years old living with her parents and like her brother comes home is like 22 and they have like a weird sexual chemistry, the whole commercial and it's like palpable and it was like this hilarious commercial that we studied about like how, (laughs) how wrong things can go. Um, Mm -hmm pretty, pretty often, like Folgers is a huge brand. Like they probably hired like an agency to create this commercial thinking that they knew what they were doing. And then they ended up 
putting out these super creepy vibes between brother and sister on this commercial, but it's, there's a lot. And so this is added to the bank of commercial fails. I also will not be watching that Samsung commercial because it doesn't sound like it was well thought out enough or worth uh, anyone's time. Uh, Moving on to my hot topic this week. So at the time of recording this, it's May 3rd. And as of today, we learned that U.S. officials have officially deemed Brittany Griner, who's the WNBA superstar um, of the Phoenix Mercury that's currently detained in Russia. U.S. officials have officially deemed um, her in a wrongful detainment, meaning a lot more action can be done to help free her out of Russia. And um, I mean, what was it? February mm-hmm. when we learned that Griner was, I mean, for weeks already mm-hmm. was arrested in Russia because they found, you know, some um, oil that's illegal and she was facing up to 10 years, but it took forever for us to figure out because I mean, until the Russian news reported it, it wasn't known. And I'll never forget that it was the most bizarre situation because it's like, um, why did it take so long to, to learn of that news? And also what can, like, how can we speed up this process? Hopefully she, there's enough eyes on it to have the country, um, you know, back her in this situation because um, I would like to know specifically how it was deemed or how they come to the conclusion that it's deemed a, a, um, she's wrongfully detained, but they haven't, the U S officials haven't fully gone into detail of what specifically they found, but regardless, you shouldn't, um, you know, it's not a, a big enough situation to to be uh detained in another country for that long as a yeah, no. it's been 75 days oh my this god huge huge this is fa- fabulous news this means that you know the u.s government can well specifically the office of special presidential envoy for hostage affairs can can take action and bring her home uh, a recent situation happened on like a a prisoner swap I don't even know really what the situation was in particular um, with a guy I think his name's Trevor Reed that the U.S. was able to get back a U.S. citizen so hopefully that means that that can happen soon for Brittany um, but but a very a nightmare situation especially with the the war that was going on overseas and her being trapped in the middle of that. And, you know, this all, (laughs) this all brings me back to, I, you know, how unfair the, the world is for women in sports and for women in the WNBA to make a living for these athletes, they have to play basketball year round. So she's in Russia to begin with to play in a Russian um, basketball league to make enough of a living to keep, you know, to keep it going. Um, that's kind of the brutal side of the WNBA playing professionally is you, you have to endure a year long season between the WNBA and playing overseas in order to make enough money to survive and to, you know, just 
you got to do what you got to do. And um, once the news came out, I felt like people brought enough attention to it. And obviously, um, U.S. officials looking into it. And now we're in a position where she there is, um, you know, enough reasoning to go and and fight for her to get back to the U.S. Um, but a lot of things have been done in that process. Right. So obviously media um, media playing a big part in getting that word out that mm-hmm. she was um, that she's in Russia um, detained. But the WNBA and we've talked about kind of the marketing side of things in this podcast. So I think that's kind of an angle we can go about discussing this, how the WNBA is doing their part to mm-hmm. try and call attention to it and make people aware and show their support, love and care for one of their own. And the league announced that one, they would have a decal on the court of every home court in the league of her name and number, actually her initials. So BG, I think she's number 42. Yeah. 42 on the floor. So that kind of brings attention to it. And then another thing is the WNBA promised the Phoenix Mercury that they, that um, continue continuing to pay Griner wouldn't affect their, their um, salary cap. So they can continue to pay her for her salary. And that, that won't count against them paying another player. Um, It won't affect their salary cap at all, which is obviously huge because she isn't in this position because she yeah isn't it's it's not a leave of absence exactly she (laughs) she was there to begin with for basketball so the fact that um the team itself or or that her pay isn't going to be affected and the team isn't going to be affected by that um and then what else the yeah those are kind of the two main things aside from obviously just trying to get her back into the U.S. But I mean, what do you think about those those ways of calling attention to it and trying to ease the situation from the WNBA standpoint? I mean, that's the thing. It's um, realistically, there probably isn't a whole lot they can do. Um, I the fact that it's taken the U S government this long to even deem the situation. Um, what was the word that they called it? It was wrongfully uh, detained. Once you're wrongfully, wrongfully detained, they they're all in to get. So, but the fact that it's taken um, 75 days for the U S government mm-hmm. to make that sort of progress, just, I think tells us how little power the WNBA really has um, to just control the situation. Um, so I think that's good. You know, I think putting her name on the, at first it sounds so trivial, trivial. And I guess that's why I bring up their lack of power is because it, it does seem like a trivial thing to do at first, like, Oh, whoop de doo Like while she's over in Russia, literally being detained, her name is on a court like great. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that does raise awareness and it educates other people about what's going on and it, it builds more, um, awareness around the situation. So that's, that's good. That's something that they can do. And I think, um, the salary thing is huge. I think that's not even something that occurred to me, you know, like for me, my thoughts are, I hope she's safe. I hope, you know, she's not being wrongfully treated. I hope that 
you know, I feel for her family, but it never occurred to me that she could be losing money and, you know, potentially come back to a really difficult financial situation if they weren't able to pay her. So I do think that that's really awesome that they're able to do that. But outside of that, I can't even, I obviously we all want to do more and I'm sure her teammates at her organization more than anybody does. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think that that's kind of the extent of what they could do. I mean, I, maybe I just, I'm not close enough to the situation to know all the options, but that seems like they're really trying and really showing their support. Yeah. I think one thing I heard was Brittany, whoever had talked to her, I'm sure family was complaining about the size of the beds. Cause she's, I'm definitely going to get her height wrong, but she's like six, seven, like she's huge and mm-hmm. she's way too big for the beds in in prison oh my gosh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. or whatever it is. But um, she also, to my understanding, s- shares a cell with two inmates that are a similar situation to her first time offenses. And they were um, they were uh, detained for drug smuggling charges. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, at first I also agreed that the whole court thing with her name was kind of a, okay. But then I thought, okay, if I'm in Russia and I want to feel like my country has my back, like, what would I, what would I want to hear of them, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure that my presence is missed. And I think that's, you know, that's a good way to do that. I guess I'm, kind of indifferent about it I still feel like you know whatever we can do whatever the WNBA can do to make her feel like she's missed and we're all in support that's really the most important thing the conversation of the WNBA's power that you brought up that's a very um that's a very important conversation that you know not really one for us to have but kind of the world, like what, what about that situation kind of dissecting? What about her situation called for the lack of attention? Um, as far as from what I've understood, um, Griner's prominence is not at question. Like the U S government sees her as a very prominent person. So does Russia. Like that's why the news reported on who they had, like her significance is big, um, mm-hmm. you know, but you're always going to wonder, like, um, she's a part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. She's a black athlete. She's a woman, you know, what, what part of her identity could potentially be the cause of, you know, what has happened so far because we don't know, like, what if an NBA player, like, the only way we would know is to be able to compare the situation. So it's been interesting to read articles like that. By no means do I have enough of a <laughs> understanding of, of everyone's perceptions and of mm-hmm. the situation to know what, what that could have been. But it is interesting to, um, to read journalists kind of break that down of, of, of what they believe to be the cause of how the situation was handled, but nonetheless, huge progress. And hopefully that means, um, positive things for bringing Brittany Griner home. Um, yeah, another bizarre, crazy situation and it's, it's still a head scratcher. Like how is this the case in 75 days? That's 
very traumatizing. Yeah, it's uh, truly we have to bring back the free Britney hashtag um, <laughs> for this new situation, this new Britney that needs freeing. But what a time to be. I mean, I feel like being in a Russian prison never sounds good, like ever um, prison no. in general, but especially Russian prison, but especially now. <laughs> especially as in this current political climate um yeah it's it's a that's why it's just so crazy like all of the details make it that much more hard to believe and you kind of just hope that the nightmare is over um so like i said good progress and um you know we could switch the conversation now a little bit of a mood <laughs> shift but let's try to get through our game quick so (laughs) the game is uh we're each going to have one turn and you're going to think of something person place or thing and the other is going to try to guess it okay Um, but that's what i'm saying so it could literally be anything i could literally think anything anything oh that sounded like the quote from cat in the hat anything anything (laughs) it could be anything um an example i i played um, with my boyfriend while we had COVID was, I guess, um, or my individual was Johnny Depp and he's a huge movie buff, but he like, just could not remember the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Of all, franchise. So of all was, times to not get Johnny Depp. Too. I know. Like- <laughs> that's how I was, he's like, I should have known that was on your mind because of the defamation trial. But yeah, so, you know, the point isn't to stump the other person, but just to kind of see what, how we get to the conclusion. Do you have yours? Um, sure. Mine's like, I mean, you said anything in the yeah, world and, and you can, I can, you can only answer yes or no. So I have to ask the questions and you just say okay. yes or no. Okay. All right. Um, I have it. Is it a person? Is it a thing? Yes. Is it a object? Yes. Is it a commonly used object? No. Is it a object specifically tailored towards women? No. Is it something I've used in the last week? No. Do you use this object? I have used it. I've used it. Okay, fine. I can't tell you more. Okay. It's yes or no. So yes, I have used it. (laughs) I would have been okay with an explanation, but yeah, technically you shouldn't say anything. You have (laughs) used it before. And is, did this object come to mind with anything that we've discussed throughout this podcast? No. (laughs) Is it? a oh man I was gonna guess um is it a oh man okay you you rarely use it you have used it before um is it something you can buy at the store which store like a Target or Walmart yeah Mm -hmm. okay and Is the object a broom? No. 
No. <laughs> Do you not use brooms often? <laughs> no. I was, the first thing that came to mind is it in the category of technology? I'll give it to um this might give it away, but I feel like you're not going to get it if I don't say it. Maybe old technology. Old technology. So like old technology. But you can currently buy it. Yep. Okay. So it's old technology that you can currently buy. A record player? No. Ooh, that was a good guess though. Um <laughs> think think old technology. Old. A, a DVD player. No. <laughs> A VCR. You're getting newer. A DVD player is newer than a record player. Uh, no, not a VCR. I'm trying to think of like what would have brought this to your mind. You know, like kind of what your inspiration is behind picking this. I don't is think there, you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna find it that uh, way. I'm okay. Does your mom or dad own it? I think my dad might. Yeah, okay, I think he, no, he does. I know he does for sure. And his dad gave him his. A pager? No, older than that. Oh my God, I need a. Um... But I also should clarify by technology. Technology in the sense of like humans making sense of their world. Okay. A compass? Yes. Oh, it's a compass. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that last thing you said kind of helped get me away from like the technology department. Yeah, that's okay, the thing. That's, I was like, she's thinking like wires. I'm like, that's, that's a not good like... one. Mm-hmm. I was oh, like, well, actually, it's funny because we just decorated our um our study, and Darren wanted like all these old things in it, and so I had like been looking at globes and compasses, and like we got like this thing for the study, this little. What is it called? Um, yeah, an I've, oh, an hourglass. I was gonna say I've, I was recently trying to think of what those are called. Yep, it was yeah. so that made me think of like old timey compass things, but you can't see it right now, so I'm like, you're never gonna guess. Alrighty, I have mine. Okay, is it a person? Kind of. <sighs> <laughs> is it like um, a character in a movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it an animated yes. person? Okay, that's why. All right. I'm yeah, like, that's what's tough. I'm like, I, Mary, be more annoying about I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, once you get that, it's not difficult. Okay, it's an animated person. Um, is this person in a Disney movie? Yes. <laughs> is it a new Disney movie? No. Um, is it one of, like, the classic Disney movies? Yes. Um, is this person a female? No. Um, is this person royal? The opposite. The opposite. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it's supposed to be a human, right? Mm-hmm. The character okay. is a human. Okay. Um, the opposite. Um, was the movie made before like the nineties? Oh, that's a, a specific question. It is really old. I have to double check that. And you said it was a male, right? Male? Yes. 
Disney movie. Yeah, wait, verify that really quick. It's tough because, you know, the... Oh, yes. Before the 2000s. Is that when you, what you asked? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the 90s. Is it from the movie Snow White? No. Cinderella? No. Sleeping Beauty? No. Beauty and the Beast? No. Alice in Wonderland? No. What? Those were like all of them. Um, But it is a classic. It's just not one of those. Is it a well-known Disney movie? Yes, for sure. I'm pretty sure Disneyland has something from it. Sort of Pirates of the Caribbean. No, Pirates of the Caribbean is too new. Um, That's in the 2000s. Winnie the Pooh? No. Disney oh, like a lot that. of movies. Um, he's well, in a lot of movies? No, Disney is the oh. um, studio for so many movies. Is it Peter Pan? No. But close, like kind of. Close, like kind of. Um, <laughs> like, don't derail from the. the okay, so is it from the movie doing. Peter Pan? No. Oh, it's not from the movie Peter Pan. No. What about Aladdin? Yes. Oh, it's Aladdin. Yeah, and in fact, okay. the name of the movie is his name. So. Okay. <laughs> when you brought up the hourglass. I was like, oh, I got to do Aladdin because. All right. That's okay. The most iconic hourglass theme. That was quick thinking. Theme. Thinking yeah. on your part. Well, I think I definitely won. Yeah, I'm glad that I picked a Disney one for you because um, <laughs> you are a Disney adult. <laughs> a Disney adult? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's like <laughs> Disney adults don't say that because people are gonna think like I go like I go fully decked out with like the ears and the keychain with all the collectible keychain things. Yeah. I just enjoy a good Disney trip and so do you. Yeah, I feel like everyone does. Um, all righty, let's end this awesome episode with a wedding planning update. Wedding planning. So since we last spoke, um, two exciting things. The first thing is we are very much underway um, on planning the engagement party. So the engagement party is happening in August and I've already told people who are, well, that's not true. I've told you <laughs> to, book, <laughs> to block out your calendar um, for like the first week in August, but mm-hmm. it's um, maybe it seems preemptive or like too soon to be planning a party for August, but there's a lot that goes into an engagement party as well. Um, you have to sure. decide on a list and we're having it at my parents' house. So it's, it has to be a small list. So essentially it's the wedding party and close family and that's it. Um, and then you have to think, all right, how are we going to feed all these people? Um, how are we going to pay for all these decorations on top of a wedding? And what do you want it to look like? What are you going to wear? And what's the attire going to be? And when are you going to send out the invites? And I mean, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to wear because that's like for sure the first major photo op situation. Yeah. And, yep. you know, I want to, I want to look fire with you <laughs> you gotta look like the maid of honor man yeah 
Um, okay, that's yes. huge. And I don't think it's yeah. too early for an August party. Like there, there are details that you don't want to be crammed with, especially when it comes to, um, you know, planning at someone else's house and making sure that people know to make themselves available. Yeah. And that's the thing. The invites will probably go out like maybe a month before, but for anyone who's out of state or living far away, I'll probably let them know way ahead of time, just because I would say half or more of my wedding party lives out of state. (laughs) So um, they definitely need plenty of notice. Um, So that's why I wanted to start planning. Darren is the opposite. All of his friends live here. I mean, granted his brother his brother is in the Navy. So, um, if he's going to come, he needs lots of notice, but, um, other than that, though, it's just been fun. Like it's been fun really now that the year mark is here, it's the planning is really actually starting to kick in. And everybody has told me that in the past, but I'm like, eh, it's still a year off. Like how much planning could there be? But all the festivities start at about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and most wedding timelines that you look up are about a year out. So, um, it is really starting to ramp up and it's very exciting. And, um, my wedding dress is officially coming at the end of this month, which is exciting. Oh my gosh. Yep. It's coming. They said anticipated to arrive May 27th. And for anybody who hasn't been keeping track and I'm sure you haven't, because why would you be? But, um, we ordered this dress on January 4th, January 3rd, something like that. It's not set to arrive until May 27th. That is how long it it took uh, six months for this wedding dress to arrive. Um, which is also wild time, Mm -hmm. but it's it's crazy that it's already here. Like that's how quickly time, time moves so quickly. So do you try it on for the first time at the bridal store or do you, do you try it on for the first time at home? So I think I tried on there, uh, but I have to get it altered. I am doing lots of things to it. So I tried on there and then I think I take it to a tailor and they are seamstress and they make it look exactly how I want. And then, um, yeah. And then we do a final fitting at some point. Well, not final because I think they, they actually fit you in it again, like, a week or so before your wedding, because obviously brides are on diets and <laughs> trying to look their best. So they, they do another fitting like right before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just exciting. Everything's coming together. I went on a brunch date with my mom and Darren's mom to pick out their dresses for the wedding. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That was really fun. We went shopping at like David's bridal for their dress. Mm -hmm. And, um, like Macy's and we got brunch and the reason I wanted to go early is, um, just because you never know how long it's going to take to find something you like, especially moms. I found are very particular about what they like. So I wanted to start the process soon and yeah, it's just, it's all happening. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Which is exciting. I'm super excited. Beautiful. And you're going to have to really like. I'm going to be needing your opinion, maid of honor. I'm all ready for it. Lots of things very soon. So get ready. No, I'm super excited. I am (laughs) eager for all of it. So I love the updates and I will be counting down the days that I have to shop for my dress and it's going to be such a fun year. And I feel like, so like ready for it in my life to, um, you know, kind of 
take that time away from work because of all that I've done for the past three years, kind of establishing things. So it's kind of at the perfect time to where I've earned the the um, opportunity to to focus my attention on you. So I can't wait. Yay! Perfect. Alrighty. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Processing Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you guys in two weeks. Mm-hmm.